Welcome, everybody, to another great podcast from the Crystal River Church of God. Whether you're on your way to work, on your lunch break, or even taking a jog, our prayer for you is that this helps you to find focus for living. We truly hope you enjoy this message live from CRCOG. I want to speak to you about, yes, I doubt, but I have faith. I doubt. I've got my doubts. I don't always see it straight. I don't always feel it. Right? But I've still got faith. Amen? Amen. Let's pray real quick. Heavenly Father, thank you for the awesome presence of the Holy Spirit in this house. Thank you, God, for what we have felt in this place. Lord, we needed that. Lord, I know that that you are working on us and you're working on us because you're preparing us to be better. You're preparing us because you want us to know what we have been called to do. And that, Lord, I pray that the people that are here under the sound of my breath tonight, that they would grasp a hold of what is in my heart. And I pray that I preach it clearly, that unoffensively. Father, I pray that the Holy Spirit would come through and move on each and every one of us. In Jesus' name. The passage I was going to read to you earlier, and I'm not going to do it for the sake of time, is Hebrews chapter 11. It's a very long passage, and we, call, we know it as the, the Hebrews Hall of Fame. It's the list of the men and mighty men and women of valor that were listed throughout the Old and New Testament. and The mighty feats that they accomplished and the things that they had done so great and so large. And, and it really just highlights those people, those individuals that we call Heroes, valiant men. Sometimes even we, we mention them with a, a almost a godlike feel. And, and I'm not bashing anybody or saying anything, but sometimes we even we, we mention them without fault and failure. And we talk about the, the mighty acts that they had done. And um, it's in our human nature, though, of course, to do that, right? Because we like heroes, right? You talk to any eight-year-old little boy, and I guarantee you, you can ask him who's your hero, and he'll have one or two or three, right? You can ask any, any young man or young woman and say, well, who do you look up to? And there's somebody that they look up to. Sometimes those people aren't really people they should be looking up to, but there's someone that they look up to, right? We all have our heroes. It's in our nature. It's in our design. To want somebody to be special. To want someone to be that pure and holy person. To want somebody to be unobtainable. Right? Their mighty acts and, and, and special qualities. Because somehow it makes us feel good when we don't have the things that they have. And we say, well, that's because it was them or that. That's in our nature. While it's certainly beneficial to herald them. And to rejoice about their great feats. We should never be absent of reality. Because when victory is proclaimed without telling the battle. You only have half the story. When you only proclaim and tell of the victory. But you don't talk about the process involved to get there. You only have half the story. And here we have a telling Of all of these men. And if you only went directly to that place in the word. 
All you would hear is the great and mighty acts, but you wouldn't hear of the failures, of the disqualifications, of the times that they doubted. You see, the peril of having half the story is a state of belief that tells you that there is a people who is purer, spiritually deeper, more holy, or more dedicated. That perhaps we and you and I are not cut from the same cloth. That there is a spiritual gene that they possess that you and I do not. That we are not capable of things that they are capable of. That we cannot survive situations that they have survived. Well, my very first point tonight is we are cut from the same cloth. You and I are cut from the same flesh. You You know, we love to laud them as heroes, and we should, but you need to understand that they did experience defeat. They were not impervious to the harsh realities of time and circumstance. There were even times that their feet did waver. The Bible speaks of Job that he even cursed the day he was born. But yet, what do we say every time we speak of the story of Job? Our our story is always that... He was perfect and upright and no fault was found in him. And of course all of those things were true. But there was a moment when he felt as if he should just die. Maybe you here in this place, you feel at times that you're unqualified or incapable of achieving anything of greatness. You see, but they were cut from that same cloth. They were born of the same flesh. They did react to the same ebb and flow of circumstance. Because flesh is still flesh. Doesn't matter. We all bleed the same blood. We all bleed just like anyone else, just like they did. We bleed and they bled. You see, we only like to talk about the redeemed versions of their lives without the failures. And I understand that. And and you have to understand that I have written sermons about that. But the point is, is... We cannot create a status that is unobtainable. You see, they were just—they were no less man or woman than you or I. You see, Noah, he got drunk. And listen, that was after God did something mighty. Abraham sired a son out of wedlock. Isaac fled to Philistia out of fear during a famine and then lied about his wife. I think that was a family thing. Jacob. Where do you start with Jacob? Jacob stole his brother's birthright. We know that one, right? Swindles his father-in-law out of of, uh, many possessions and makes many decisions purely out of fear. Moses, of course, he murdered an Egyptian as a young man and blatantly disobeyed God in his old age. Gideon required two fleeces just to believe one promise. Samson danced with Delilah and lost his power to that pagan princess. David was an adulterer and had a good man slain. Samuel would not restrain his wicked sons and repeats the same error as his mentor Eli. Elijah faces down 850 prophets of Baal. Then calls fire down from heaven. But then when Jezebel speaks, he flees to the desert and wants to kill himself. Yeah, smart man, that's right. (laughs) But all these men, these men I just mentioned, 
These men that you and I, we lift up and we, we exalt and we, we praise about the things that they have done. These men did mighty things but had moments that were less than heroic. Had moments that were often accompanied by failure and even doubt. Does that sound like anybody you know? Does that sound like ever a place where you feel the same situation and same place? That you at times feel like you are accompanied by doubt and fear and, and unqualified? You see, they are cut from the same cloth. What about John the Baptist? We love that guy, right? He's a wonderful man. We love John the Baptist, right? But the Bible says, he cries out, Behold, the Lamb who taketh away the sin of man. But then while he's in Herod's prison, he sends a word to Jesus and says, Go ask him if he's the one or if I should look for another. He's the one who proclaims it. He's the one who baptizes Jesus. He sees the Holy Spirit to sin like a dove he's there for that whole experience and yet while in prison he says hey just remind me am I about to die for nothing am I about to do this for nothing he had moments of doubt the disciples the same people who would evangelize the whole world eventually while in the company of Christ in his final hours their only concern is about jockeying for position They want to know who's going to sit beside him. They want to know who's the greatest. Sound like men like you and I know? Peter, he denies Christ three times and then curses just to prove it. Thomas skips church and denies the resurrection. But I ask and you ask, why were they capable of experiencing great and mighty things? And I'm going to challenge you with this and I'm going to say this. Because they didn't allow their frailties, their disqualifications and doubts stop them from having the audacity to ask God to stand on His Word. They didn't allow their failures, their sins, their past, their doubts to stop them from saying, but God can. I want you to know this. That if you just get in alignment with His Word. And you understand that it's not about your qualities. It's not about your capabilities. It's not about your pedigree. It's about the fact that God can. Isaiah 35, 3-7 says, Strengthen the weak hands and make firm the feeble knees. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then shall the lame man leap like a deer and the tongue of the mute sing for joy. For, out, uh, for waters break forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. You have to understand, God says, in spite of their weakness. He says, strengthen their weakness. And then this is what's going to happen. In spite of their weakness, miracles are going to take place. In spite of your frailties, in spite of your insecurities, in spite of the things and the baggage that you walked into this house, God is saying, I still want to work through you, for you, on your behalf. I want to use you. I want to minister to you. I want to speak to your family. I want to heal your land. I want to heal your life. I want to deliver you from evil. He says, in spite of all that, I'm this big. I can take all of that and still do what I promised. God says, no worry about their weakness. You see, I know for many of us, 
It's hard to believe that we could be a part of something extraordinary. Because Satan has continually used doubt, insecurity, trauma, and defeat to strap us into a paralyzed state. He has us, you and I, believing at times that somehow the promises and blessings are always just beyond our reach. This is because you determined that the miracle is based upon your capabilities. But you've got to understand this. Hebrews 6 and 13 says this. That for when God made a promise to Abraham, since he had no one greater to swear, he swore by himself. Not to worry. That when you feel like your qualities and your capabilities are less than par, God says, I'm not doing it based upon your righteousness. I'm not doing it based upon your faith. He says, I'm basing it off how capable I am. I'm basing it on the fact that I am capable. You see, because the Bible says that irrespective of Satan, what he may do, Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. These men that we talk about, these men that we herald, they did. And we often do doubt. Why? Because we're flesh. Why is it our nature, pastor, you say? It's because, quite possibly, and and, and, and go with me if you will, it's because of that prayer unanswered. It's the relentless sickness that won't go away. It's the soul that's unsaved. It's the problem that's yet solved. And you add it all up and seldom is there a will so stout or a heart so strong so as to never doubt. You you see, because the sum of it becomes so great. What happens is, is we just do this. We just just fall into the trap because life's anomalies force themselves to the front of the line. Faith and fear are sharing the same vessel. Trust and doubt both harbored in the same heart. Believing that anything is possible. But still nursing the posture that God can. But will he for me? We convince ourselves that God is holding himself back. Unless we can until or until we can find that rare place of pure and perfect faith. But when you look at the list of men of women and women I have just mentioned, are we really that doomed by our doubt? Are we really that doomed by our qualities or insecurities? Because these men and women that I've mentioned did great and mighty acts in spite of their present situations. God. Does he really just walk away and say, I cannot or I will not? Are we held back or are we kept from his blessing? We need to understand that the frailty of our flesh and the doubt that we sometimes feel do not disqualify us from experiencing the divine demonstration of his power. You see, in Luke chapter 5, Zechariah, the father of John the Baptist, is in the temple burning incense. He's in the temple. And all of a sudden the angel Gabriel shows up. And Gabriel tells him, he says, listen, he says, you, my son, are going to sire a child in your old age. And, and Zechariah says very clearly, he says, what are you talking about? I'm going to sire, are you kidding? And then he goes, and he says this, he goes, how shall I know? Now, I, I don't know about you, but if an angel shows up, In church, 
When I'm in the middle of praise and worship and he tells me something's going to happen, I'm taking it to the bank, honey. But Zechariah says, how shall I know? How shall I know? And what we find is immediately the angel silences his ability to speak. And I believe he did this because he said, you're not going to be able to speak till it comes to pass. Because I'm not going to let you leave here and talk yourself out of this miracle. Some of us, I wonder if you're in a state of silence where you feel like you don't have the words to say. If God is just restraining you back from stopping the miracle that's in place. I wonder if times when we have those moments of solace and we can't find the words to say. We can't find the words to pray. We can't find the explanation to share. If God is saying, I'm having mercy on you and I just don't want you to say something that's out of line of what my word is because I've got a miracle on its way. The very next time that Zechariah is able to speak, he is writing a word by the name of John on a piece of paper. The next time he's able to say something, it's because he's declaring his promise. You have to understand that if doubt disqualified you from a miracle, Zechariah didn't have a chance. If doubt disqualifies you from a miracle, Abraham didn't have a chance. If doubt disqualifies you from a miracle, John didn't have a chance. But somebody in this place is set up for the miraculous. Ezekiel is caught up in a vision. He sees nothing but dry bones. And God asks him a simple question. He says, can these bones live? Wait a minute. You're in a vision. Out of body experience. And God asks you, can these bones live? Ezekiel's answer, his reply is, thou knowest. Thou knowest, God. Dummy, the answer is yes. Yes. If God is asking you if this can happen, it's yes. There's some of us in here, we're wondering, God, are you sure? Because sometimes it's like, that's too simple. It can't be God. Right? That's too easy. That can't be God. No, oh, I need to budget? That can't be it. God's, I'm going to win the lottery. He says, thou knowest, but yet God uses him. Because although doubt might be indigenous to flesh, and in spite of what Satan would want you to believe, doubt is not a deal breaker. Psalms 103 and 14 says, for he knows how weak we are. He remembers that we are only dust. God says, I'm not going to judge them, they're just dust. I'm not going to let that foolish word out of their mouth be the deal breaker for me. They're just dust. They said it in pain. They said it in hurt. 
They said it in ignorance. They said it in a state that no other has seen. They, they, they don't mean it. God steps back and says, they're just dust. See, at times we doubt and we doubt. And, and it feels like that doubt is all we have. But I want you to know this, that you have one more thing. You see, we have faith. You do. I do. We do. We all have faith. And we don't just have faith. We have enough faith. How much faith do you need? Listen, I'm not going to deny that faith is necessary. The Bible makes it quite clear that without faith, it's not only difficult or improbable, it's impossible to please God. Faith is the currency of the kingdom. The Bible is a living commentary on the exploits of individuals who had great faith. But we would be remiss to not mention that the Bible is also a chronicle of supernatural events that were not only witnessed or experienced by people who had something less than greater stellar faith. They had faith, but they also were accompanied by doubt. A pleading father wearied by his, his son throwing himself into the fire by demon possession, pleads to the Lord and he says, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. He owned his doubt and still saw his son cured in that same hour. You see, doubt does not disqualify us from divine demonstration of God. Romans 12 and 3 says that God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. Every one of you. He has given you a measure of faith from the time before you were born when you were formed in your mother's womb. He said, I'm going to give them enough faith to go through this. I'm going to give them enough faith to deal with that child. I'm going to give them enough faith to deal with that illness. I'm going to give them enough faith to deal with that divorce. I'm going to give them enough faith to deal with that. He knew what you would go through. And he dealt to you the faith you would need. Say to your neighbor, I've got faith. Matthew 17 and 20 says, If you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, Move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. Would you look real quick at how just big a mustard seed faith is? It's that little thing on there that's circled. Jesus is saying, This kind of faith will move a mountain. That just this is enough to move a mountain. You see in 1 Samuel 14 and 6, Jonathan is there and he says this. He says, come let us go over to the garrison of these uncircumcised. It may be that the Lord will work for us. Not a whole lot of faith there. Not some big proclamation. He just says, it may be that God will work for us. And what happens is they take the enemy. 2 Kings 7, 4, lepers are laying at the gates of Samaria and they say to themselves, listen, if we stay here, we're going to die. But if we go into the enemy's camp, here's what will happen. They'll either kill us and we'll die or they won't kill us and we'll live. Not much faith. But it's belief. Listen, what have we got to lose? If we stay here, 
we'll die. If we go there, we might die. But we might live. Some of us need to take that posture and say, listen, what have I really got to lose? Right here, right where I'm at, you know, things aren't looking too pretty. Now, I'm not talking about your spouse. I'm talking about choices and decisions and things and where you're at and you say, you know what? This really isn't working out too good. But if I try this, it could be that it's God. Right? Not much faith. But yet the Bible says that the Syrians become confused at the sound of their footsteps. And believe that it's a mighty army. And they scatter and begin to kill one another. You say to your neighbor, I can have that kind of faith. That's easy. In Jonah's short chronicle, a pagan king declares a fast. He says in this, in in, in chapter 3, verse 9 through 10, he says, Who can tell God will turn and relent? And turn away from his fierce anger so that we we may not perish. Then God saw their works and and they turned from their evil way. And God relented from the disaster that he said he would bring upon them. And he did not do it. All this man, this pagan king says is say, who can tell? That doesn't sound very sure to me. But yet that little bit of faith was enough to save a whole city. Listen, if you have enough faith to pray and ask, you have enough faith. Matthew 11 and 11 says, Assuredly, I say unto you, among those born of women, there is not one risen one greater than John the Baptist. But he who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. The least. In other words, God says, don't you worry about it. It's not about your qualities. It's not about your security in your own self. It's not about that. It's about the fact, do you have the audacity to ask? Do you have the audacity to stand on his word and say, listen, I don't believe, I don't understand, I don't know how it's going to work. But I know the word of God says this. And if it says this, that's good enough for me. So how do I activate faith? The trouble is with many of us, it's not whether we have enough faith. It's what stands in the way of accessing that faith. You see, in the New Testament, the, the, the word or the phrase, prayer without ceasing, is mentioned six times. Five by Paul, once by Luke in Acts chapter 12. There's a difference between these two time, these, these scenarios, between the time that Luke says it and the time that Peter, or Paul says it. When Luke says it, he uses the word ektenese, which means fervently, without stopping, continuous in time. When Paul uses it, he uses the word adialeptos, Which, you have to understand this, Paul literally created this word. He made this word. I'm not joking, it's not a joke. He literally created this word. He took the word leptos, which is the root word, which means remnant. It it means remnant, or um, I want to get this right. Remnant withholding past articles. 
remnant or withholding past articles. In other words, withholding something from your history. And then he takes and he slaps on the front of leptos a dia, which means without. And he says, when he's talking about praying without ceasing, he is literally saying, without regard of the baggage in the past, without regard of the unanswered prayers before, without regard of those that I prayed for and they died, without regard of the many times and the many problems that came unencumbered and unaffected by the trials and problems I had found myself in. It means coming before the throne of God boldly and saying, here I am again, God, asking the same thing again, God, and this time you're going to do it. And when he doesn't, coming back, here I am again, God, asking the very same thing again, God, and this time you're going to do it. It's about time we resurrect that type of faith where we say it's enough of the baggage. Satan quit throwing in my face every time I fell. Satan quit throwing in my face every time I had a divorce. Satan quit throwing in my face every time I turned my back. This time, God will do it. He says... Positioning yourself to where you ask God based upon the current need. And unhindered by what's in the rearview mirror. There's so many of us that God's just waiting for your next big move. But you won't get out of the way of yourself. You won't let your past go. You won't let go of the guilt and the shame. You won't let go of those things. You say, why would God do this for me? I don't deserve this. I haven't done anything to deserve this. And God says, if you could just get it. If you could just get it. It's not about you. It's about a father looking down on his child and saying, I want to help you. Paul says... In Philippians chapter 3 verse 13 he says, This one thing I do, I press on toward the mark. Leaving the things that are behind me. We got to understand that yes, I doubt. But I also have faith. And one does not cancel out the other. Though there were times in my past where I didn't see the miracle, today I'm going to see the miracle. My very final point is then when you are faced with a situation where you feel like you don't have the capabilities, you're overrun by guilt and anxiety, use your words. My mother would say that use your words. I don't want to use my words. I'm going to use these. I know what these do. I don't want to use my words. Use your words. Hosea chapter 14 and 2 says this. It says, take words with you and return to the Lord. Say to him, take away all iniquity. Receive us graciously. 
where we will offer the sacrifices of our lips. Prophet says, you want to see the miracle? Begin to speak to it. You want to see the change? Begin to speak to it. You want to see the storm roll over? Begin to speak to it. Hold on. Speak to it. Take words like this in Deuteronomy 33 and 25. Your sandals shall be iron and bronze as your days, so shall your strength be. Matthew 28 and 20 says, And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Isaiah 43, 2 through 3 says, When you pass through waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned. Nor shall the flame scorch you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. Words like Ecclesiastes 7 and 8 that says, The end of a thing is better than its beginning. Words like Mark 16 and 18, and I'm finished, it says, They will take up serpents, and if they drink anything deadly, it will be by no, mean, by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on their sick, and they will recover. Don't be afraid, we're not pulling out snakes. What this is saying is, is whatever comes your way, I've got it for you. Whatever happens your way, use your words, speak to it, and tell it to leave. As the praise team comes, everybody stand in this place if you would. My heart for you tonight is this. Is that I understand that many of us here are plagued with situations and doubts and fears and anxieties that we just cannot quite get over. No matter what, it seems like we can't get beyond ourselves in that, right? And I don't know about you, but it almost seems like we get a false hope every so often. Where it feels like, all right, we're on the mend. Things are getting good. And then, the next news story, the next whatever. Sounds like that in our lives, right? times we feel like I've been doing good things are doing good I had a good report and then the doctor comes in and gives us a report that is just crushing we have times where we feel like finally our loved ones finally are on their road on their road to Christ and then they slip up and something happens. Doubt can very easily plague your mind. You better believe Satan tries to bring up your past in the process. Tell you that somehow because of who you were, you can never be this. The Bible calls him the father of all lies. I'm going to ask that the Spirit Life team will come up here. And, and here's what I want from you tonight. I want you to know that we just heard and we read, read over a list of men and women who we know they have done great things in the Bible. Great things. Great things. 
what I just described to you is, not only did they do some great things, they had some moments that were less than stellar. And moments where God didn't come through for them, as it would appear in certain cases. Where it seemed like, you know, you have Jonah. He's mad at God because he felt like God didn't do what he said. That he would destroy Nineveh. Of course, he couldn't see the bigger picture. And if you're in here tonight and you've had moments where you feel like doubt has plagued your mind. And you, you just quite, you're not sure. You're not sure if your need can be met. Possibly I spoke to you tonight. If you would, come on up here. I want to pray for you. Anybody in here, I want to pray for you. I want to ask this. I want to, every head bowed and every eye closed. If you're in here tonight and you say, look, I have moments of doubt. And I've been worried if that was going to stop the miracle. But tonight I feel encouraged. And I know that God can. If that's you, would you raise your hand? I see those hands. I want to pray for you. I want to ask you if you have the boldness. I'm going to pray for you. If you can stay right where you're at, that's fine. You can stay right where you're at. But if just so happened you would have the boldness tonight to look your doubt in the face and say, today is going to be different, would you come up here? If you would have the boldness, that's it. That's it. That's it. I'm going to look it in the face one more time. And say, I'm going to hold on. I'm going to pray for those of you that are still in your place right now. And then we're going to worship. And I believe God's going to perform a miracle in this place. Would you worship with me? Would you pray with me right now? Heavenly Father, I come before you and I ask, Lord, that you would speak on these hearts of these men and women here today. That they feel as if maybe doubt has plagued them and possibly past failures and situations have disqualified them from you moving on their behalf, Lord. We declared today and made a case that that's a lie. Father, I pray that you would speak on their behalf and let them know that you love them in spite of their failures, in spite of their situations, in spite of their doubt. There's faith in them, God, that is being resurrected. Father, I pray right now that the need would be met In Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Let's worship. Thank you again for listening to this message. We pray that it has inspired you like never before. For more information about Crystal River Church of God, how to give, or even our upcoming events, Be sure to check us out at crystalrivercog.com. You can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Be sure to like and subscribe to this podcast. And we will see you next week here at CRCOG.